Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you. It's awesome to be back with you. Thank you so much for your prayers for me and my son Nathan and our family as we battled COVID. Uh, praise God that we're feeling better. Uh, Nathan was able to go to school this week. I'm glad to be back in person. And uh, thankfully, Laura and Luke never got the COVID, so we're very grateful. But I'll tell you what, it just really um, makes you appreciate your church family uh, when you're going through a hard time. And you guys were there for us, and we're just very grateful for that. Uh, and glad to be back. Um, I'm still feeling a little weak, so excuse me, I'm going to sit down to preach today, and uh, my doctor encouraged that. Uh, just fatigue is like the biggest thing that's kind of hanging out with me, but again, good to be here. Uh, thanks be to God. Again, thank you for your prayers, the meals, the calls, the cards, all that stuff. Um, we couldn't have done it without you, and so we're grateful to be here. Uh, as we shift into our message today, I hope you had a fun time with our series talking about games that uh, we play and biblical lessons from that. It's been a lot of fun from Scrabble to Red Rover to you name it. And today we're going to continue with that. I just want to uh, begin by inviting you to uh, use your imagination to go on a journey with me for just a few minutes. Uh, imagine that you are on a, uh, a stone bridge, right? You're out kind of in the middle of some mountain areas. And it's about 10 feet wide, it's old, and it's really cool looking, and it's about a half mile uh, in distance. And you're on that bridge, uh, and it's at night, and it's dark, and it's raining. Uh, and you can see the lightning kind of flashing around you, gives you a chance to see what's around you. But when you look off the bridge, you look down, and there's no apparent bottom. Like, you are up high. It's a big chasm. The wind's blowing, all that sort of thing. And ahead of you... Uh, on the mountain on the other side where the bridge ends, uh, it's kind of, a, kind of like a cliff or kind of a, a mountain kind of thing. But on top of that, it's kind of like this stone castle, and you can see like this stairwell that kind of weaves up to that. Uh, and you know that in that stone castle is the person that you love the most, and they're being held there against their will. In fact, they're there because actually of something that you have in your possession. You have an heirloom that you've had for your entire life. It's been passed down from family member to family member. It's a, it's a rare amulet, kind of a necklace that you have. And uh, recently someone came and they tried to buy that from you. And you wouldn't sell it to them because it just meant so much to you. Then they tried to steal it from you, but they were unsuccessful. So they've kidnapped the person that you love the most and have them in this castle. And you're going to take the amulet to trade for the, your loved one because you know that the loved one is more important than this heirloom that you have, right? So this is where we are in our imagination. Uh, today's game is Dungeons and Dragons. It is a role-playing game, which is really a lot of storytelling. There's a story that's told, and then you get to be a participant in that story, and you get to make decisions. And some of those decisions go well and some of them don't. But it's an adventure. And every time that you play it, it's something different. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons has been around since the 1970s. Millions of people play that. I've played it on and off since I was a kid. Uh, I will say for the record that it's not satanic, that you don't worship Satan when you play Dungeons and Dragons. That's, that's always been a rumor. I've never met anyone who worships Satan who played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but it's fun. It's, it's a role-playing game. Uh, and you do all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's strategy involved, uh, and there's also some luck. You've got all these dice that you use in Dungeons & Dragons. We've got a picture of that for you up here. There's seven different kinds of dice that you get to roll uh, in making decisions and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun to do that. So today I've got like 
uh, a big die. Uh, this is the 20-sided die, and this is like the most often used in Dungeons and & Dragons. And so I just want to know, if you guys want to play real quickly here? I'd, I'd like to have three brave volunteers come up for Dungeons & Dragons. I promise we won't hurt you. Grayson, yeah, come on up, buddy. Let's give him a hand. Is that Ethan coming up? Allison? Sorry, light's killing me. Come on up. Y'all come stand in front of the TV. Here you go. That's great. Anyone else? One more? One more player? I have to draft them. Matthew, come on up, buddy. All right. Good job. All right, so this is Grayson the Wise. We will call, uh, Grayson is the main character here. So Grayson, it's your amulet. Someone has been taken in the captive castle, probably maybe your mom or your dad or your sister, right? Maybe more your mom and dad. But uh, (laughs) so you're going to rescue them. No, you would rescue your sisters, wouldn't you? That's right. All right, and Allison here, you're glad that she's with you. She's your friend. She's a wizard, right? And Allison's a novice wizard, and she can levitate things, move things in the air, and throw fire out of her hands if you need her to do that, okay? This is Matthew. He's a warrior. He's tough. He's got a sword, and he's got a shield, and you're glad that they're with you on that bridge to go back and take back your family. So you guys ready for this? All right, so you're about halfway down the bridge, right? Lightning's striking. The bad guys are there. You're not sure what's happening, and all of a sudden, the bridge starts shaking and begins to collapse, So you have a choice. Do you want to go back where you came from? You're about halfway through, or do you want to go try to get to the other side? What do you guys think? Go forward, okay? Grayson, roll that die. See what you get. That's a three. I got some bad news for you, man. (laughs) You have fallen off the bridge, okay? All right, let's see. It might not be over yet. Allison, you roll that die and see what, what you get. All right, that's a 13. That's good out of 20, okay? So Allison, with her novice ability of levitation, is able to grab you out of the air and set you down on the other side, all right? All right, Matthew, let's see what you can do. There you go, Allison. (laughs) Dead Matthew. You got a nine. Mmm, that's kind of right way in the middle there. I say that Matthew falls off of the bridge, but he is so strong with his fingertips, he's able to grab hold, and Allison and Grayson are able to pull him up, and you guys make it to the other side safely. All right? Let's give them a hand for that. And I got you guys some dice here, some D&D dice you can go and play with. Yeah. Uh, let's give them another hand. Anybody else want some dice? I got some extra dice left over. Anybody get a catching? I'm throwing it. Here it comes. Here we go. Heads up out there. And there we go. Good job. All right. All right. So that's Dungeons and Dragons. It's usually a lot longer than that, usually days at a time. But we had to get through this. You guys don't want to stay here all day, I know. Why are we talking about that in church? What does it have to do with the Bible? What does it have to do with being Christian? Well, let's think about it in this way, right? So we just had the children up here. We're celebrating going back to school. And as Chris prayed, we want this to be a good year for our children, for our teachers, our administrators. And we want that, right? How do we know it's going to be a good year? Right? It, how do we know that it's not going to be a bad year? Right? What, what's going to determine if it's going to be a good year or if it's going to be a bad year? Is it, is it because a kid might get lucky they're going to have a good year? Uh, is it destined for someone to have a good year and someone to have a bad year? Right? Is fate or the universe with some children and against other children? 
Do the children themselves have a role to play? Do the parents or grandparents have a role? Can we help influence to make this a good year or a bad year? And is God involved? Is God going to be with our children at school? Right? If our children have a terrible year at school, does that mean that God frowned upon them and abandoned them? Right? So, so why do things happen in the world? Right? You ever heard it said that everything happens for a reason? Right? That anything that happens, like it's some cosmic force that caused that to happen. Right? If it's a good thing, then it happened because you're supposed to have a good thing happen. If it's bad, if it's supposed to happen, right? is there such a thing as fate or destiny? What about our free will? Right? Does God play a role? Why do things happen in life? Because we know that our children are going to go and they're going to have some good days. And they're going to have some bad days. Right? Why is that? Is that because they messed up? Is it because the universe is against them? God against them? Why do things happen? And if you're not involved in school or you're not involved with, with children, right, it, think about it in terms of your work life, your relationships, right, your physical health. Are you sick because God wanted you to be? Did I get COVID? Right? Was I fated to get COVID? Was my nine-year-old son supposed to get COVID because he did something wrong or the universe was against him? Right? That's what I want to talk about today. Why do things happen in life? Good things happen. Why do, why do bad things happen? Right? Is life only about rolling like a big dice? Right? Are we just, are we just at the winds of, of luck and fate? Or do we have a role to play? And does God have a role to play? And if God does have a role, why do bad things still happen? Right? That's the kind of stuff I'd like for us to begin to wrestle with today. And hopefully we can begin to learn some things from the Bible as we think about why things happen in life. I want to start out with just the concept of luck, right? Some people say, hey, I'm just lucky, right? I had a good day, I had some good luck, or it was a bad day, it was some bad luck, right? Does luck exist? Is luck real, right? Here's a definition for luck. Luck equals success or failure apparently brought by chance rather than through one's own actions. So no matter what you do, if luck rains out, you're going to have a good day if you're lucky, you're going to have a bad day if, if you have bad luck, right? It doesn't matter what you do. It just matters what the universe throws at you, right? It's going to be random would be the concept of luck. Fate or destiny would say that it happened to you for a reason, right? They're kind of cousins, fate and destiny on one side and luck on the other, that it's out of our control. You're going to have a good day because the universe is for you, or you're going to have a bad day because the universe is against you, or it just randomly happens. That's what happens to you. It doesn't matter what you do. It's going to happen, right? Do we, as Christians, believe in luck? Sorry. The uh, ancient... Ah. Y'all hear that? Okay. My fault. So the ancient Romans believed in a goddess called Fortuna, right? Where we get the word fortune from, or fortunate. And they believed that this goddess, right, was this cosmic force that... If she was for you, then you would have good luck and good things would happen to you. If she was against you, then you would have bad luck and things were against you, right? And so to get on her good side, people would, they would do superstitious things to try to earn her love, right? Or earn her affection so they would have good luck. You might see some of this today, even in modern day America, where we don't believe in a goddess called Fortuna who doesn't really exist, but... Have you ever done anything superstitious to try to get good things to go your way? Like maybe you carry a rabbit's foot, right, for luck. Or maybe you're a ball player and you wear your socks from the last game because you won. And you keep wearing your socks every game until you lose because it brings you good luck, right? 
that would be considered, like in ancient Rome, as a, as a form of prayer, right, to Fortuna. I want this goddess of fortune to shine favor on me, so I'm going to carry my lucky rabbit's foot. I'm going to wear my socks until, you know, I lose the game or whatever, right? We're relying on some force in the universe other than God to give us a good outcome or a bad outcome. Right? As Christians, we don't believe in luck. We don't believe like there's some random cosmic thing out there to help us or to go against us or that fate is out there that we're destined to be great or we're destined to be horrible. Right? We, don't, we don't believe in luck. We believe in something else. We're going to get to what that is in a moment. Right? So we, we don't believe that luck, chance, or fate, or destiny drives what happens to us in our lives. Now, that doesn't mean that random things cannot happen, right? which don't seem to have some kind of meaning assigned to that. For example, if you park your car in your driveway and a storm comes up and a tree falls over and smashes your car, right? that, odds are that's not some cosmic force that's out to get you. It's not some force called fortune or some force called luck or date or, or destiny or fate. Right? Maybe the tree was just overwhelmed by water, the roots couldn't handle it, and it fell over and hit your car. It just happened, right? It's a random thing. Nothing in the universe assigned it to happen to you. I remember when I was in college, I was having an argument with my girlfriend at the time outside of her dorm room, and as we were arguing, this bird flew over and pooped all over me, right? <laughs> pooped all over me, right? My girlfriend said it was a sign from God that God was on her side and not my side, right? Some people would say it was fated for me to get pooped on. Uh, and some would say it was just bad luck. You know what I think happened? I think the bird that had full boughs opened it right up, and I happened to be sitting right under the bird, right? The universe was not after me. Uh, I don't think that, you know, some kind of cosmic force was trying to stick it to Kyle Thompson. Because uh, we get pooped on sometimes, right? And sometimes it just happens. Right? So we don't... Well, I don't, as a Christian, believe in the power or the force of luck or fate or destiny. Right? So what do we believe in? Well, one thing that we very much believe in is the freedom of choice, that we can make choices that affect our lives for the good or for bad. Right? We see this early in the Bible. In the very first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve, the first humans, God gives them a choice. God doesn't make them into a robot that has to obey God. Adam and Eve, just like you and I, have the freedom to choose. And so we can choose, right? We can do what we want to do. Sometimes we make great decisions and it works out for us. If I want to be successful in school and I go to class every day, I take notes, I do my homework, I study, I get good grades, right? Why, why is that? Because I chose to do my very best, right? And I took advantage of the opportunities that were given me. Or I could choose not to study, not to go to class, to blow it all off and I get a big fat F, right? Why is that? Because I made a choice, right? It was, it's, uh, the reason was I was not smart, right? I didn't use my abilities to their utmost, right? So I saw this the other day, uh, this quote online. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes that reason is that we make stu we're stupid and we make bad choices, right? right? So it's not the universe that's trying to mess with us, right? Sometimes we just mess with ourselves. We are our own worst enemies, right? And sometimes it's other people. Right? Sometimes other people exercise their freedom of choice and they do things that harm us. Like what if, for example, if my parents were horrible, tyrannical people, which they're not, they're great people, right, locked me in a closet and said, I don't want you to have an education. I don't want you to ever go out anywhere. That, that could have a bad effect on me. 
Right? Not because I chose it, but because someone who had power over me chose that. And so it, it hurt me. Right? So in our lives, sometimes we make good decisions, we make bad decisions. That affects our lives. Sometimes other people make decisions for us, and that can have a good or a bad outcome. Right? Now, our tendency is to play the victim. Right? I, poor me, something has happened to me, and, and some bad things happen to us. Some real bad things happen to us. But we still have an opportunity to decide how we're going to react to that and try to make the best of that situation. Uh, and there's some bad situations for sure, right? So as Christians in Scripture, one positive way that we see working through life is the freedom of choice, trying to make good choices. Uh, I was watching the news uh, this past week, and they were talking about the recent earthquake that happened in Haiti, uh, which is very sad and tragic. Um, fortunately, the folks that we know in Haiti that we minister to through our congregation were north of this, and the earthquake missed them, but there's still lots of tragedy in the country of Haiti because of this earthquake. And the reporter covered the earthquake also in 2010, so, what, 11 years ago? And they asked the reporter, like, you know, what did you think when you saw the new earthquake, the pictures of the new earthquake compared to the old earthquake? And he said, honestly, when I saw pictures from both, he's like, I couldn't distinguish between them, right? The devastation is just, it's horrible, right? There's this natural disaster that's terrible. He said, what makes it worse, though, is that nothing has changed in Haiti since 2010. The roads are horrible. The infrastructure is horrible. They're not ready for this, right? So at some level, the leaders of Haiti have, ha- have failed the people of Haiti, and the leaders of the rest of the world have failed the people of Haiti, right? There's a natural disaster, but what makes it worse is that, that humanity was not prepared for that when they had 11 years to get ready for that, right? And so everything happens for a reason. I don't think the universe is against Haiti, right? I, I don't think that that's what's going on, that they have bad luck, right? It, a random thing happened, tectonic plates moved, and that's terrible, but we didn't use our human ingenuity, right, to help them. Right? An earthquake in Haiti and an earthquake in America are going to have two different outcomes. Right? There's still going to be destruction, but we're much better qualified to handle things because we've built up the infrastructure. Right? So freedom of choice is a huge thing. Well, what about God? Right? Do we believe that God works in our lives? Right? So if something good happens in our life, does that mean that God's with me? If something bad in my life happens, does that mean that God is against me? How does God work in our lives? Did God give me, your pastor, COVID, right? Did he give my nine-year-old son COVID, right? Why do these things happen? Where is God at work in our lives? Let's think about this. We're going to look at some passages from the Old and the New Testament. I want to start with one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet, a spokesperson for God. This is hundreds of years before Jesus is born. The people of Israel have messed up royally, They've been disciplined. Another country's come in and taken over them, and God's ready to forgive them. And this is what God says to them in Jeremiah. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will also listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God says, I have plans for you. You messed up? I still have plans for you. I have plans for your life. I want goodness to happen in your life. Right? And I think that's a message for Jeremiah. 
I think that's a message for Israel at the time. But I also believe that's a message for us. I think that God wants good things for us in our lives. I believe that. I see that Jesus says that himself in in the Gospels, right? We talk a lot about John 10.10 here in our church. Jesus says he came to give us life and life to the full. I think God has good plans for us. So what does that look like? Let's keep going. This time I want to go to the New Testament. Uh, The Apostle Paul was a pastor, church planner. He's writing to some Christians who lived in Rome in the first century. And this is what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Right? We can understand what God wants for us in our lives. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. We can discern what God wants for us to do in our lives. And that is something that's good and pleasing and perfect. That's hopeful. Right, that's a lot of hope right there, folks. Right, let's keep going. Back to the Old Testament now. This is the book of Proverbs. This is wisdom writing, kind of like stuff you'd see on bumper stickers, but we think it's more important than that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Ask God, what's your will? I want to submit. I want to do what you want me to do in my life. And he will make your path straight. God will make the path for you, a straight path. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy or nothing bad's going to happen, but God will direct your life in the way that it needs to go. And the last scripture today comes to us from the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus. He's getting ready to go be killed, to be nailed to a cross, to die in a heinous way, and he's willing to do that. But he's asking God the Father, if, if there's any way to, to save people other than me dying on the cross, I'd be open to that. Right? This is what Jesus is praying in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Going on a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup, right, dying on a cross, be taken from me. Yet, but, not as I will, but as you will. Well, that's powerful. Jesus says, God, even when your will looks hard and difficult and something that I don't understand, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do what you want me to do, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it looks like it's not good, I'm going to trust you, right? So the scriptures teach us God wants good things for us. When we seek God's will in our life, that's going to help us. Not going to make our lives perfect, right? They're still going to have challenges, but that's our best shot is to do what God wants us to do with our lives. So so how do we begin to understand the will of God? Uh, One theologian named Leslie Weatherhead wrote a book. And I just love how he he talks about the will of God. He breaks it out into three different parts of what God's will is for us. Let's look at these. See if this makes sense to you. The first is the intentional will of God. This is God's ideal intention. This is what God wants for us, right? So in the book of Genesis, God creates everything. He wants us to live in harmony with God. He wants us to live in harmony with each other. Right? God wants good for all of us. That's what God intends. God doesn't want us to suffer. God doesn't want us to hurt. God doesn't want us to fight. God doesn't want us to get diseases. God has an ideal. Right? This is what I want to happen. This is my intent. This is why I've done stuff. Right? But we have free will, right? And so when we go against God, we stir up stuff in the world that, that defies what God wants. Right? So what happens next is this. Right? The circumstantial will of God. God's plan within certain circumstances. Right? So God has a plan for us. Right? His, his intent 
when we, we go against that, then the circumstances change. God still wants to bring good into our lives. Do you remember the story of Joseph that we looked at a few weeks ago? Right? Joseph, in the book of Genesis, uh, his brothers sold him into slavery. He got thrown into prison for something that he didn't do. Right? God didn't want that for Joseph. God didn't want his brothers to beat him up. God didn't want Joseph to be made a victim of human trafficking. He didn't want him to go to prison. Right? That all happened to Joseph. But God did not abandon Joseph, right? He stayed in the circumstances with Joseph. And what did he do? When Joseph was a slave, he became the head of the household. When he was in prison, he became the top prisoner. When he got out of prison, he became like the vice president of the country of Egypt. And he helped save a bunch of people from starving to death, right? That wasn't God's intent for Joseph to go to jail or to be sold into slavery. But when he was there, God didn't give up on him. He adjusted for the circumstances and still brought good in Joseph's life. Isn't that hopeful, y'all? When we mess it up or someone else messes it up for us, right, God still wants to bring good into our lives. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, in all things God works together for good for those who love him. Right? In bad circumstances, God's still with us. He doesn't give up and he works to bring good into our lives. Right? And so finally, the ultimate will of God, God's final realization of his purposes. God's going to get God's way, right? We see this with Jesus on the cross. When Jesus comes back to life, right, what does God do? He already defeats evil and death and hell and guilt and shame, right? The game's over, right? Good wins. We still have some battles to fight. But ultimately, when we follow God, we're going to live a life that is full, even if we have challenges, and we're going to live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? God's going to see us end up in heaven, right, when we follow him and choose him as our Lord and Savior, right? So God's ultimate will is going to be done. What does this look like in real life? Well, if you guys will allow me, I'll kind of give it to you from my perspective when I had COVID, just recently COVID, right? My son Nathan had COVID at age nine. Where was God in this? Did God want us to have that? Did God cause that? Have we done something to make God angry? Why did we get COVID? Why did we survive when other people don't survive from COVID? Right? These are some tough questions, and I've really been wrestling with some of that stuff. Right? And so... As I think about it, God's right, intentional will, right? God doesn't intend for me or Nathan to have COVID. God doesn't intend anybody to have COVID. God doesn't want people to suffer. God doesn't want people to have disease. Not at all. There's no way, right? Not at all. But we live in a broken world, right? And so for whatever reason, disease exists and bad things happen. And so in the circumstances that happen, right, COVID-19 is a reality. I don't know if it's a man-made disease. I don't know if it's a natural disease, you know, from my perspective, I don't care. It's a disease that we have to deal with, and it's killing people, right? The Delta variant is very contagious, right? So our circumstances are these. In the end of July of this year, my kids went back to school because they're in a year-round school. We're in a charter school. The school decided that masks would be optional if you signed a waiver. And so pretty much every parent in the entire charter school, including me and Laura, signed a paper that says we're okay with our kids not wearing masks, right? The pandemic looks to be over. We're past all this kind of stuff. We're going to be okay. Big mistake, right? First week of school, 40 kids come down with COVID, not including some staff members who got it. 150 people are quarantined week one. Right? One of the persons that got COVID was an eighth grade boy, great boy, not vaccinated, but a friend of our family came to our house. He had COVID. None of us knew it. He was asymptomatic, and he gave COVID to my son, Nathan, right? Age nine, the only one in our house who's not vaccinated because he's not old enough, 
catches COVID-19. Immediately, Nathan gets sick. Not too long after that, I start to get sick. I now have COVID, right? I am fully vaccinated. Uh, I chose to be vaccinated for this reason. I think it was my better option than not being vaccinated. This is me. This is my personal experience. This is where I come from, right? In my life, right? I, I don't want to throw dice in my life, right? So like when I married Laura, I didn't roll a dice and say, oh, it's higher than a 10. I can marry you. You know, when, when God called me to be a pastor, I didn't roll the dice and say, hey, I got a 15. I can follow you, God, right? I don't want to throw dice with my health either, right? So when the vaccine came out, right, and I, I'm like, should I get the vaccine or not? Right, because there's skepticism. Well, we don't know what the vaccine's going to do in five years or ten years, and let's give it some time and see, right? But I, I looked at the other side. I said, "This is what COVID does. COVID kills people. COVID kills people of all ages, right? All kinds of walks of life. I know what COVID does. Vaccine may or may not have some kind of side effect five or ten years from now. The people who are already taking it don't seem to be having those side effects. I chose to get the vaccine." For me, prayerfully, that was what God wanted for me in my life. Right? That was my circumstance. And I'm so glad that I did. Because let me tell you, folks, COVID knocked me for a loop. I'm still not for a loop. I can't imagine facing COVID without having first had that vaccine. So I believe that was God working through those doctors in my life. And I'm grateful for that. Right? That's just my understanding of God's circumstantial will in my circumstances. That's the way I see God at work in my life. I'm here now. I'm glad for that. I don't know why other people are dying, right? I don't know. I don't know. That's hard, and I don't have an easy answer for that. Right? But I do know the ultimate will of God is that one day all of us who follow God are going to have new bodies in the glorious kingdom of heaven, and we're not going to have disease, and we're not going to have sorrow, and I look forward to that, right? But I'm not done with this life yet either. I know God's ultimate will is going to take care of me. So really, right, where we win or lose in life, I think, is in those circumstantial will of God, right? What does God intend? How have we changed the circumstances? Where's God still not giving up on us, right? That, that's where I have hope in our lives. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is. God's way is not the only way. It's the best way. Right? We can do our way. We can do it our parents' way. We can do it the government's way. We can do it any way we want to do it, right? God's way is not the only way. I don't believe in luck or, date or destiny or fate, but we don't have to follow God. God's way is not the only way, but I do think it is the best way. It's good, and it's perfect, and it's right, and it's trustworthy, right? So maybe you're wondering, well, how do I know what God's will is for my life? These are some things that you can do in your life to test what's going on in your life. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, we're good Methodists. This is what he said, right? Consider, what does the Bible say about this issue in your life? What does the church teach? What does your brain tell you? What do you reason? What does your experience teach you? Right? And pray about that. Ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Right? What are the experience of people that you trust? Right? Other good Christians, what is, what's their experience? What's their reason? These are things that we can use. These are tools to help us find out what God wants for us in our lives. And if you struggle with that, we'd love to help you. Pastor Lindsay and I, the staff, like we, we would love to help you talk and pray through this. We, we can't give you the answers but we can point you in the right direction, and we would be glad to do that if you need help trying to figure out what it is with what God's will is for you in your life. But I just, I'd like to ask you to consider two questions this week as you think about what does God want for me in my life? Right? The first is, do I really want to discern God's will? 
or do I want to get God's sanction for mine? How often do we really say, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want for me in my relationships with my friends? What do you want for me at work? What do you want for me at school? Right? Do we really want to know what God's will is? Or we just say, God, I'm going to do this anyway, and I'd like you to rubber stamp it. Yes, God is with you. <laughs> How often do we really seek the will of God? So I would challenge you this week to wake up and pray, God, what do you want me to do in relationship to my family this week? What do you want me to do at work this week, God? What do you want me to do with my, with my health, with my body this week? Right? To ask God for those answers. And then secondly, do I have the courage to do God's will when I discern it? That's my problem. Like, God's usually telling me pretty clear what to do. I'm like, you want me to do what? <laughs> right? Do we have the courage to do what God asks us to do? To be like Jesus and say, not what I want, God, but what you want. Because if God's will is perfect and good, right, then we've got to trust that. That what God wants for us is good for us in our lives. So I'll close with this, y'all. When we got our COVID test back. The results came to us online through a PDF file, right? We each had a PDF file. You download the file. And then on our computer screen, you have to scroll down to get to the results. It has like your name and date and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm scrolling down. You know, Laura's negative. Thank you, God. Scroll down. Luke's negative. Thank you, God. Scroll down. Nathan, nine years old, no vaccine, positive. Oh, my gosh. Scroll down on my own name. I've got the vaccine. I've got this. I'm good. Positive. I'll tell you, in those two moments of my life, those are two of the scariest moments I've ever faced in my entire life, right? Because that, that first reaction is, my son Nathan is nine years old and he could die. I could die of this disease. Some people do, some people don't, right? But the first thing that you see when you see a diagnosis like that, at least you go right to fear, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But then all this kicks in. And the very next thing is, God, please help me. I don't understand why this is happening. But I know that you love me. I know that you love my son. And I need you to work in our lives. And Lord, if it's your will to heal us, then please, by all means, heal us. If, if you're ready for us to come into heaven, right? I'm not ready, right? I've got more to do on this earth, but I know where I'm going. And so I have the comfort in knowing that we're going to be with you in the glorious kingdom of heaven, Lord. I turn it over to you. And I tell you, folks, it just gives me this sense of peace, right? That when I'm seeking God's will, God gives me peace. Now, it's easy to say because I'm living, sitting here in front of you, right? But those moments at first scared the life out of me. And it was God that gave me the comfort, not knowing how it's going to play out, but that God was with me. And that people would be praying for me, right? And I would seek God's will either way. So... Brothers and sisters, God's will is not the only way, but it is the best way. It's the way that I try to live my life. It's the way that's gotten me through my life, the ups and downs of that. And I would wish that for you. Do you know this Jesus that I talk about? Do you know this Jesus who wants good things for your life? Do you seek his will? Do you seek to know what his will is in your life? God's way is not the only way, but it is the best way. And so I invite you to seek God's will in your own life and be blessed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Can we pray together? Gracious and never-loving God, it's hard to understand why things happen in life. It's easy for us to say the universe is with us or against us or it's fate or it's destiny or it's luck, God, but ultimately those answers leave us wanting more, Lord. They're hollow and they're empty. 
And we know, God, it's more a combination of what you want for us in our lives and, and what we choose to do with our freedom of choice. And so, God, we just would pray that you would help us to know what it is that you want for us. Help us to seek you in the Bible. Help us to seek you in the church. Help us to seek you with our minds and our experience, Lord. And help us to seek you in prayer. But most especially, God, just help us to be ready for your answers. Because sometimes it's going to be fun and great, and sometimes it's going to be challenging and hard, and we have to go against the crowd, Lord. But as Jesus said, not what we want, but what you want. Thank you, God, for having great plans for us and for our lives. Help us to find out what they are and do all that we can to follow you. In your holy and blessed name we pray, God. Amen.